pray with me. Father, thank you for Christ's body broken for us, for Christ's blood shed for us. Lord, I pray that you will make us one. Father, bring your people together. In Jesus, we pray. Amen. Remember Dorothy Day said, uh, all the way to heaven is heaven because Jesus is the way. So we're not just waiting until we get to heaven, but our prayer is, as in the early church, that all heaven will break loose, that um, God's kingdom will come and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus told us to pray that, so it must be possible And in this time that I've been away, I've been wondering, how do we transform our city? I mean, is it possible, like those people at Cane Ridge, for the church to be so transformed by an encounter with God that we become agents of transformation, that we literally become salt Wherever salt is, you know it's there. That we become light in a dark world. How does that happen? I was away last week and so grateful for Daniel Vestal. The shoulders on which I stand with, with him and, and Russell Dilday and Lester Collins. And I, I, I think about uh, Elisha. Uh, picking up Elijah's cloak and saying, where now is the God of Elijah and the water parting? I'm grateful for these good men and for Daniel. We had a chance to visit this week on the phone. We were away one weekend a year. You know this. We travel with friends, and usually it's around a sports event. And so we ended up out in Utah in a stadium into the wee hours of the morning. And my overwhelming impression is Those are some of the nicest people I've ever been around in my life. How nice are they? It's the only stadium I've ever been to that they brought me free ice cream during the game to say thank you for coming. Oh, that every stadium did that. And after they beat us in the second overtime, I'm not making this up, they apologized for winning the game. (laughs) Your team is so much better than ours. People were fist bumping me on the way out of the stadium. We're so sorry we won. Your team is so good. I leaned over to Melanie and whispered, I'm not buying it. (laughs) Those guys were trying to beat us. They wanted to win, but the people were so very kind. So much so that, again, stuck in traffic, trying to get back to our hotel, one in our company asked an amazing question. I think that all of us were thinking, how is it that we've been out here for three or four days And every person we've encountered in the elevator, in a restaurant, at a hotel, on the street, in a stadium, every one of them has said, we are so glad you are here. And we went and studied some of the history and how the people came to that place. And as a theologian, I would just simply say to you, I think we differ in significant ways in our understandings about God and about the Holy Spirit and about Jesus. And yet it is clear to me that there is a unity in that group of people and they take the business of being kind to others, so much so that one in our company said, how is it that we 
who are followers of Jesus, who have the Holy Spirit, we as a whole don't seem to be as kind as this group of people is. I'm not casting aspersions or making judgments about people, but we all sat in the car and pondered that question. Dallas Willard some years ago said, one of the challenges of the church is that the church can be filled with undiscipled disciples. We Baptists have gotten the, it's in our name, the baptism part, we've gotten that part down. We baptized this morning, we're baptizing four next Sunday. I am so looking forward to that. Jesus said, as you go, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's all he said. No, wait, no, he continued, didn't he? And teaching them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. How do we transform a city? In the book of Acts, chapter 19, our next passage on the way, we find in verses 8 through 10, Paul's strategy. And believe me when I say that he spent three years in Ephesus. And when he left, it had not changed him. But that whole city had changed. We're going to study this for a few weeks. We'll see how transformation of a city takes place. And it starts with learning and teaching the kingdom of God. Let me show you. Would you open your Bibles with me? Acts chapter 19. I'm just going to have a second to get into this. Um, but, I, but I would like to at least introduce the subject today verses 8 through 10, and in reverence for our God, uh, like the people in Ezra and Nehemiah's day, could we stand in reverence for God and his word as he speaks to us? Our series is called This is the Way. We noticed that Jesus not only said, I'm the way, but in the book of Acts, in the early church, his followers were described as the people of the way. Their identity came from his identity. He was not only their truth, but he became their life as he became their way to walk and to live. Let me show you again. In Acts chapter 19, Paul has come to Ephesus in verses 8 through 10. We find these words. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. Notice the capital W there. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the providence of Asia heard the word of the Lord. This is the word of God. Please be seated. So if you go back in the story, do you remember this? Uh, it's one of those moments when Paul was standing at the intersection of walk and don't walk. Have you been to that intersection? 
not knowing what to do next, and he wanted, this is in Acts 16.6, he wanted to go to Asia. What he wanted was to get to Ephesus, which was the light of Asia, the sort of capital city of Asia, the third largest city in the world. So Rome is biggest in, in that time, in the first century, Alexandria, second biggest, and third, Ephesus, the light of Asia, And Paul wanted to go there, and it says, without any explanation, the Holy Spirit stopped him. He wanted to go to Ephesus, and God said, no. You know, God sometimes doesn't let us do what we really want to do for him. God will sometimes put up a don't walk sign. We are best off if when God puts up a stop sign, we actually stop. It is possible to run ahead of God to do what God is not telling us to do because we just so want to do it. But Paul had the sensitivity to the spirit to stop, so he stopped. He didn't go ahead into Asia at that point. And then uh, at a later moment in chapter 18, he actually got to Ephesus and they asked him to stay. And he said, I can't, but Lord willing, I'll come back. And he did come back. And what we find is his strategy, the strategy of those early believers, in fact, Dr. Luke, who wrote this uh, sequel to the book of Luke, the book of Acts, leaves it open-ended. We're still part of chapter 29, I suppose. God's still building his kingdom on the earth. But they changed the city by teaching the kingdom of God. And Luke gives three examples. The first one's just an individual. His name's Apollos. He's a powerful communicator, and all he knows is the baptism of John. He doesn't know the full story of Jesus. And Priscilla and Aquila invite him to their home, and they teach him the full story, the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. And then Apollos is set free, and he goes to Corinth, and he becomes a powerful preacher there using the good gifts God has given him. But because of a husband and wife who taught him in their home, he was prepared to do what God. So there's teaching going on. The second example, when Paul gets back to Ephesus, he runs into 12 people who know the baptism of John. This tells you how powerful and pervasive the ministry of John the Baptist really was. It had reached all the way to Ephesus, and there were people there who were so moved by John's movement of repentance that they were still teaching what he taught. And Paul says to them, so when you believed, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And Paul teaches them, and then he baptizes them, and they become followers of Jesus. They were followers of John, who became followers of Jesus, and they received the Holy Spirit. By the way, I I read this week that belief in God in our country is going downward. 12% less claim to be followers of Jesus than just a few years ago. But belief in ghosts is going up. And it struck me that if the people of God believed in the Holy Ghost, maybe less people would have to believe in ghosts. That maybe if you and I 
took to heart. And so there's this teaching. The third example is the one I just gave you. So Paul, which was his custom, goes to the synagogue. He's working with his fellow Jews. And he lasts three months. Sometimes he went to a town and it just lasted like a minute before they tried to lynch him. But in three full months, he argues, the RSV says, he pleads with them about what? About the kingdom of God. And they kick him out. So he takes the disciples, the learners of Jesus with him, and he rents a hall, the hall of Tyrannus. And get this, he teaches from 11 to 4. This was the Greek siesta. 11 to 4 every day for two years. I make that out to be, if you just say six days a week, 21,900 hours of teaching over two years. And the people in that city stopped buying idols so much so that the people who made the idols got really mad at the Christians. The city was transformed by teaching. And so I want us at Tallowood to give ourselves deeply to the teaching of God's word. I'll try to do it from the pulpit. I want us to do it in our Sunday school classes. I know there's a group of men, this is courageous, who 5.30 tomorrow morning, Paul's and Timothy's will gather together at the church here. I think 30-something came last week. We're hoping their tribe will increase. And they're just reading the book of 1 Timothy together. We have uh, families that are opening their homes to our students and beginning girls and boys to do discipleship in their homes. This is the way forward. It's, we need to know more, Jesus said, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. I said a few weeks ago, we can be educated beyond our level of obedience, but at least let's learn who Jesus is. Just very quickly, just a few things here. First of all, where will we teach? Well, he, he taught in the synagogue, uh, he later says in Acts chapter 20, he taught them from house to house. Where will we teach? Safe to say, hear me, church. Tallowood already has all the buildings we need to do the work of making disciples in this city. Now, I mean, we can get frothy and excited about a building program, but we, we don't need more buildings. In fact, the, the church in Ephesus that changed that city, they didn't even own a building. They rented the hall of Tyrannus. So the point is that where we are, as you go, you make disciples and God has called us to this. How, how do we teach? Well, he says boldly, he proclaimed. My friend John Neasley is preaching at the church that he pastored for some 20 years. They started the same year as Tallowood. They're having an anniversary this morning, and they asked John, their long-term pastor, to come back and preach. And he sent me a text this week from 1 Peter chapter 4, 11. He said, this is what I'm praying for you. You pray it for me. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Please pray that for me. And Sunday school teachers, Bible study leaders, I'll pray that for you that we will speak boldly the word of God. And what will we teach? It says, he taught the kingdom of God. By the way, good precedent. How did he get that? Well, we go back and, and Jesus in Matthew chapter four, verse 12, at the very beginning of his ministry, he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Notice Jesus didn't spend a lot of time telling people how to get to heaven because he said, in me, heaven has come down. 
Heaven is already here. All heaven is breaking loose all around you. If you will receive it, I'm already doing this. The beginning of the book of Acts, it says after Jesus' suffering, he presented himself to his disciples, gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them for a period of 40 days and spoke about what? The kingdom of God. He told them that Jesus was king. By the way, in Ephesus, they thought Diana, Artemis, was queen. And he said, Jesus is king. And it's very interesting. We get into chapter 20 when they get really mad and they have a riot because they feel like Artemis is going away and everybody's talking about Jesus. And one of their own leaders says in Acts chapter 20, verse 37, he says, but these guys didn't say anything bad about Diana. They just said good things about Jesus. This seems to me to be a strategy. We could spend all of our lives railing about what's not right, but we could, on the other hand, talk about Jesus. And just for the record, if anybody asks you, what does your preacher preach about these days? Tell them Jesus. Tell them you can use a gambling reference. Our pastor is doubling down on Jesus. I don't use a lot of gambling references, but I'm just saying, I think they'll know what you mean. I want to talk about Jesus. I want to lift up Jesus. I want to focus on Jesus because when Paul did, I'm telling you, the need for idols went away when they found out that Jesus Christ was Lord. In that city, there were people who thought the emperor was Lord. They changed their minds when they met Jesus. In that city, there were people who thought the queen of Ephesus was the queen of the world, that Artemis, Diana, but when they met Jesus, that all went away. And what is it to preach the kingdom of God? Paul will later in chapter 20, he comes back to the leaders of Ephesus and he tells them how he preached. And in chapter 20, verse 20 and 21, you know that I've not hesitated to preach anything um, that would be helpful to you, but I've taught you publicly from house to house. I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And then a few verses later in verses 24 and 25, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. He preached grace in verse 25. He says, I've gone about preaching the kingdom. He talked about Jesus and that changed that city. To put it sort of simply, um, my dad and Todd Stills' mom and dad and Dallas Willard all grew up in southern Missouri, not very far from each other. And I've heard my dad and I've heard Dallas Willard tell stories about when electricity came to that area. Uh, the Rural Electrification Administration brought, my dad said that his grandfather was the first to have electricity in that area. I, you, and here's the thing about it. You know this, that before electricity, things were different. Preservation of food, for instance. Hours of the day, what you could do, what you couldn't do, all that. And then electricity comes. And here's the amazing thing. Some people didn't hook up to the electricity. It was like the government was saying, repent of your non-electricity because the kingdom of electricity has come. And it changes everything. It's a crude sort of analogy, but it's a good analogy. And Dallas Willard puts it this way. The power that could make their lives far better was right, right there near them 
where by making relatively simple arrangements, they could utilize it. Strangely, a few did not accept it. Why? Some did not want to change, and others couldn't afford it, or at least they thought they couldn't. And I wonder if you and I can afford to enter into the kingdom of God and make Jesus the king of our lives. And then I wonder, can we afford not to? The cost of discipleship is high. Don't get me wrong. But the cost of non-discipleship is so much higher. We teach the kingdom of God. We teach it to whoever will listen. Some will oppose it. They oppose the way. So Paul found another place to teach. Whom do we teach? Whoever will hear us and will listen to us. I think about Queen Elizabeth and what that must have been like when she met the king because she served the Lord Jesus. John Stott uh, knew her personal chaplain, said she was a deeply devoted follower of Jesus. You can find quotes out there of her Whom do we teach? And what happens when we teach? Here's the last thought. It says, all the Jews and all the Greeks in the whole province. So here's what the good news of the kingdom will do. It will permeate the culture. In fact, we will either live in the kingdom and transform the culture, or the culture will transform us. Those are the two options And I'm telling you this morning, the message of Jesus is powerful enough to change lives. Years ago, two atheists are riding on a train. They're famous men. They're they're amazing. Robert Ingersoll, one of the most famous atheists of that day. Lou Wallace, one of the best writers of that day. Neither one of them believed in Jesus. And Lou Wallace said, you know, Jesus kind of lived an interesting life. What if I wrote a book about Jesus and just said he was a man? And uh, Robert Ingersoll said, you should do that. And so Lou Wallace started studying, kind of like, C.S. Lewis did later. And when he started studying, he met Jesus, not as just a man, but as Lord. And it changed his life. And he wrote a book called Ben-Hur, which became a movie. And in that movie, Jesus is not just a man, but he is Lord. Look, Most organizations I know start with a man and then there's a movement and eventually they become a monument and sometimes a mausoleum. But if the man, Jesus Christ, is still working through us, the movement continues and we live in the kingdom of God and day by day we're changed and here's the good news. The city we live in will change as well as we talk about Jesus the King. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for our King Jesus. Thank you for the chance to love him out loud. Thank you for the people who've gathered in this room. Help us, I pray, Lord, to live under your Lordship today, to be transformed. Change us, God. And we plead with you, change our city through the preachers who are preaching Jesus all over this city this morning. Thank you that we already have everything we need right here to be disciples. And Lord, we know that we will teach what we know, but we will reproduce what we are. God, make us disciples of Jesus so that we can make disciples of Jesus. 
I've prayed in Jesus' name. Amen.